Kim Lester Ramos loved playing basketball. He was short and thin, but the players who knew him said his feet moved with certainty. And despite his limited height, he could maneuver around his taller friends to make a shot. The 23-year-old spoke little but laughed often. He had no vices. He did not smoke. He only drank on birthdays and holidays in their neighborhood of Mountain View in Marikina City. He graduated high school, tried to finish a vocational course, but dropped out so he could work to send his five siblings to school. He worked as a construction worker with his father. Still, Kim was more of a boy than a man. All his friends said that he was kind, which is why they were all shocked when Kim was killed by a cop who accused him of being a drug suspect. A drug suspect who fought back. A witness who survived to tell the story says the police version is a lie. Hello, I'm Rambo Talabo, Rappler's police and crime reporter. This is Rappler's crime podcast, Criminal. We revisit crime stories that are significant in understanding Philippine politics and society. This is our fifth episode, where we will dive into the case of Kim Lester Ramos of Marikina City. The killing happens on October 5, 2019, but it is only reported October 7. The first report comes from the newspaper, Journal. The story notes that the police released the report on the shooting belatedly. The police report tells this story. The policeman is Corporal Herjoner Solier, assigned to Marikina City. At around 6.30 p.m., Solier conducts a surveillance operation along Barangay Santa Elena aboard his motorcycle. He spots two men on board a motorbike and two more men in another motorbike. They are described in the report as suspects, even though there is no mention of the crimes they are accused of. Solier calls their attention, saying, Baka kung anong lakad nyo. You might be up to something again. Two of the four men are Kim Lester Ramos and his friend Lauro Lagarde. After calling them out, Solier proceeds to the Marikina City Police Station. On his way there, Kim and Lauro corner him in a nearby dimly lit street. Solier says he falls from his motorcycle during the chase. Having caught up with the policeman, Kim and Lauro approach him and seize his service firearm, a 9mm pistol. During the scuffle, the gun misfires and hits the stomach of Lauro, and he falls. Kim then attempts to flee while apparently, all this time, carrying a gun of his own. Kim tries to shoot, but Solier guns him down first, with a shot to the head. The story fits well with the oft-repeated police narrative that cops only kill when their lives are threatened, as prescribed by police manuals. But this is not what happened, according to one witness. Lauro, despite sustaining a gunshot, survives and tells another story. You're listening to the fifth episode of Criminal, Rappler's Crime Podcast. How is it so far? If you want to listen to other cool and informative audio, check out other Rappler podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. 
this crime podcast wouldn't have been possible without your support. If you haven't yet, support Rappler by joining our community called Rappler Plus. Rappler Plus believes in speaking truth to power, using technology for the greater good, to power communities to action. Go to rappler.com plus for more details. This is what Laura saw on October 5, 2019. It is around 5.30pm at Barangay Santa Elena in Marikina City. Laura and Kim are playing basketball with their friend Johnny at their neighborhood basketball court. They've played in this court countless times since they were children. After a few rounds, the three decide to go to Johnny's house before having dinner at an eatery nearby. Kim and Laura wait outside Johnny's house, waiting by the sidewalk when a man in plain clothes aboard a motorcycle whizzes past them and makes a U-turn to speak over them. The man says, Kayong mga addict magsitigil-tigil na kayo sa paggamit ng droga. You addicts, stop using illegal drugs already. The man then speeds off, leaving Kim and Lauro in shock. Kim and Lauro share a motorcycle to the eatery. On their way, they manage to catch up to the man who tagged them as drug users. Lauro confronts him, saying, Sir, bakit yung kami sinasabihin na addict? Sir, why are you calling us addicts? The man reacts by pulling out a gun. The man aims for Laura's chest, but Laura deflects his arm. The bullet fires, entering Laura's body through his left hip. He falls. Laura then hears two sets of footsteps running. First, Kim's footsteps, then the stranger's. He peeks just for a second. He sees his best friend falling face down on the pavement. Laura forces his eyes shut and chokes back tears and screams. A minute later, he hears more footsteps. Witnesses. With people surrounding him, he knows the gunman would not kill. He pulls out his phone to call an ambulance and his friends and relatives. But before he reaches anyone, the man snatches his phone away. The man spits and curses at him. Pasalamat ka, buhay ka pa. Be grateful that you are still alive. Laura realizes the man is a policeman when he looks up and sees him conversing with men in blue, sealing off the crime scene from witnesses. He remembers the man ordering all bystanders to delete all photos and videos they took. Or else. Laura never gets his phone back. Norman Ramos, the father of Kim Lester, arrives late at the crime scene. He is 63 years old. When the neighbors start shouting that someone was shot and it might be his son, he could not run as fast as the others. His hands can still manage the woodwork, but his feet often fail him. Still, he arrives earlier than the ambulance. When the van finally comes to pick up Kim, Norman stands in front of it demanding that he accompany his son to the hospital. He never gets to speak with Kim again. He could not even look at him. Kim is declared dead at the hospital. Norman inspects Kim's body for the first time at the funeral parlor, where he sees that his son's right eye had turned to a red void. Kim's forehead and knees still bleed from the fall to the asphalt. His question, how could they do this to my son? By that time, the Philippine government counts around 5,500 drug suspects killed in police anti-drug operations for fighting back. 
Norman and the people of Mountain View could not believe that one of them suffered the same fate as the men and boys they see on television and in the newspapers. Nobody has been killed by the police in their neighborhood since the so-called drug war began. Until Kim. Their Kim, who just worked and played basketball with the boys. Their Kim, whose laugh was contagious. Their Kim, who volunteered in their church community and even helped organize the previous Liga, our local basketball league. Perplexed and angered, the community fights back. On December 5, almost two months after Kim was killed, Norman leads a crowd of around 20 people in filing murder, frustrated murder, and planning of evidence complaints against Solier before the Marikina City Hall of Justice. The complaint stands on the testimony of Lauro, who joins as a complainant for Solier, shooting him and allegedly fabricating the police report. The crowd is formed by people from different generations. There are grandparents like Norman, young adults like Kim's friends, and children related to the boys, who call out the injustice just the same. They wear white shirts and carry tarpaulins that cry, Justice for Kim Lester Ramos. In filing their case, Kim's family and community hopes to achieve the same feat as the family and community of Kian de los Santos. They want a conviction. How is their quest for justice? I speak with Norman Ramos. Apa, Ken? Tatay Norman. Apa. Kamusta ka? Okay lang po, sir. He says their case has reached court, but he does not know which accusations are set for trial. Their lawyers have been following up with the prosecutor, but they have not received a reply. The pandemic is taking its toll on the Ramos family's legal battle. But more than the virus slowing down the courts, Norman says the justice system has already been rigged against them from the start. I ask him how so. With this, I ask him if he thinks they can pull off a conviction. He is not optimistic. In fact, as the case continues, Solier is still in the service. He was just reassigned in another locality. This is the reality of seeking justice. The reality of questioning the Duterte anti-drug campaign. Thousands are killed. Families left behind say the operations are deliberate killings. Only a few hold any proof to make formal accusations in court. Fewer have the courage to actually file a case. And only one has succeeded in making a conviction. The scales of justice are tipped overwhelmingly in the favor of the accused. All the victim's family can do to fight is pray, wait, and to stay safe until a ruling is made. Thank you.